Welcome to the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. We are your hosts. I'm Emily Valentine from Stommy Tactical. And hey, everyone. I'm Amy Robbins from Alexa Athletica. We are your average gun girls and want to bring you a podcast that mirrors the way we live our lives. We are self-reliant, stylish, and eager to inspire women to feel confident in defending themselves while also staying true to their lifestyle. We'll be talking all things from concealed carry to our favorite lipstick and everything in between. This podcast is intended to support and empower women. We want you to be armed with the right tools and education to be self-reliant and prepared to act in your own self-defense. This episode is brought to you by ConcealedCarry.com, the Concealed Carry Community's number one resource for training, education, and concealed carry weapon law information. Check out their Reciprocity Map Builder Tool, where you can build your own custom reciprocity map, especially if you have multiple state permits. ConcealedCarry.com has a huge library of articles about training, gear reviews, and industry news. ConcealedCarry.com also has one of the nation's largest networks of firearms and self-defense instructors. Chances are they have classes and instructors near you. Also, look into the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app, which takes many of these online tools and puts them in the palm of your hand, free of charge and free of ads, available for Apple and Android devices. What is going on, Amy? How are you? Hey, hey, Em. I'm doing great. This has been such a fun, exciting week. Um, I'm so glad to be back doing this podcast today. You and I both have had some really exciting things and announcements and stuff going on, and I can't wait to dive into that and talk about that. Um, But before I do that, we are joined today with one of our favorite guests, and I'm so glad that she is back on the show. Uh, She is just so full of life and energy, and I'm glad we actually get to look at her face while we're doing this podcast because her smile always makes me smile. So everybody, we have um, the owner of Tactigal Inc. Um, She is a firearm instructor, lifestyle blogger, an actor, producer, even an auxiliary um, law enforcement officer. I mean, there's nothing that this woman does not do. And we are so proud to have her and her knowledge on the show. Hi, Brie Warner. Welcome back. Hi, good morning. Welcome back. Thank you. What's going on in New York City? And I've had a it is cold. That is what's going know, on. It's, uh, we went from, oh, man, we went from like summer where it was just raining every other weekend mm-hmm. to like fall for probably about six hours and then we went to winter. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how it was here. I think fall took a vac- I think fall just took a break this year. I yeah. think fall just headed off down to the Maldives and said, I'm just not even going to show up this year because we had the same thing in Texas. It's crazy. And even like, it's kind of sad because even the leaves didn't really get a chance to turn. I think we had so much rain. They just, they kind of yeah. stayed green and then they just turned like brown and then they brown, fell off yellow. the tree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, don't, I, I don't even know what you're talking about because we don't even usually get a fall in Texas. Wait, do you guys so have trees down there? We occasionally, like depending on where you live, but it's like green and then dead. I mean, we don't have the beautiful color changes that you guys did. You're, you're kind of out in the countryside, aren't you, Brie? I am. Oh, well, that's the funny thing. Like, I'm actually defined as the country. Like, if you ask the postal department, they, they think it's the country. But there's a Starbucks, like, 15 minutes down the road. So, like, I qualify my neighborhood is where the proximity of my, my convenience places are. So well, right. Me, 
not really country, but apparently it's country enough to where they want to charge you additional like shipping costs. <laughs> oh, of course. Well, that you're in New York, so they're yeah. going to find any reason to charge you additional anything. Uh, but fun little fact to everybody. I don't know if um, you guys are following along on Alexo Athletica's Instagram account, but we've been doing this really fun thing all week long where we've had all of our team Alexo members taken over, really highlighting and showing the diversity of the women that are involved in this entire empowerment movement. And I was so excited because Brie took over our Instagram account one day. Thank you so much for doing that. You looked like you were having so much fun. And I was having fun feeling like I am going on the soundstage with you. And you let us peek inside your car, which I can't believe you can even drive around New York City with all that in your car. (laughs) I know. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for anybody that didn't uh, quite catch the story. So I had gone, I had a a private class over the weekend. I was teaching uh, a couple sisters and it was an amazing time. It was so much fun. But I had such a busy week ahead that I literally did not have a chance to unpack my car. So I, the very next day I had to go to to set. And so I'm driving around town with like targets and target stands (laughs) and like codes. People wouldn't assume that I'm even like, you know, have a sense of guns, let alone like them. Uh, but then on top of it, I work in entertainment and I'm driving around with a bunch of like range gear. So they probably think it's just props. They probably think probably. it's like a prop gun and not even, not even a real right. thing. Well, well, well or it's I, my boyfriend's car or something. Exactly. There you go. Well, I love too that you even did. Um, I'm going to show you the life of a concealed carry holder here in New York City. I thought that was so interesting. I hope you do more post like that on your own personal Instagram story, because I know a lot of women found it very informative and um, were following along because they may be living in some states where it is, you know, a little bit more difficult to find which Mm -hmm. self-defense tool they can carry on their body in a legal way. And so I just thought that was, you did some great stories and yeah, everyone go follow Tactical NYC on Instagram because I'm sure Bree's going to be doing more of these stories, hopefully. Yes, no, you definitely inspired me to uh, to start doing that. That was kind of like my, uh, I don't know, for some reason, I hadn't really been spending a lot of time with doing stories and I realized like how valuable they are. So I'm excited. It's a little, I always find like it's a little awkward at first. And then like (laughs) once I started doing them more, it's easier. But then like if I stop, then like getting back into them, I'm like, oh gosh, listen to my (laughs) voice. Well, I think too, like, I think most people that, you know, are, are healthy, I like to say healthy minded, um, you know, it's, it's awkward. Like you sit there and you go, D- am I really interesting? Does anybody really care what I have right. to say? So like, right. I mean, we all have self-doubt. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, we all have self-doubt. So it doesn't matter what our, you know, what our presence sure. is on social media. It's like, we all have the same fear. So you sit there going, well, I'm going to go live. Is anybody out there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give five more minutes to let someone join in just in case uh, before I start talking. Now, I kind of resorted to the fact a long time ago that I'm just a total dork and I have to show that side. Like I just have to let it out there right. because you know what? If I scrutinize, I, I give myself a two shot limit and I'm like, whatever comes in in the next two shots, like that's what's going on social media. So because you can obsess about it so much and make sure the angle of your face is right and the lighting is great and the filter's perfect, you know, it's like when it comes to like stories, that's where that stuff doesn't matter. You know, like that, that should matter the least. You're going to be gone in 24 hours. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, so this, this last week, so I'm getting ready to, I'm going back and filming for the noir show all next week. 
you ladies can 100% like understand what I've had to go through to get prepped and ready to get back on camera next week. (laughs) I'm sitting here. I had to give up my gummy worms. I had to go. I got this skin pin treatment. Y'all. Um, oh yeah, as, I, I remember. Yes. So, if for anyone that's de- dealing with hyperpigmentation and skin issues, like as we get older, like you know, we have to spend a lot more time like making sure our skin looks good, right? So I'm like right. getting skin pen treatments. I had to spend two hours, two hours today to get my eyelashes done. And I was like, I know not a single one of the guys that are going to be filming next week are even remotely thinking about any of this stuff. You know, it's, no, they're going to wake they up raw and morning. show up, right? Yeah. They're not planning their outfits. They're not doing any of this stuff. So, you know, and even though it's a gun show, I mean, I'm going to be out at the gun range the entire time. It's, there's still things that uh, us women like have to think about, you know? <laughs> so it's, and it's, wrong with that. yeah, it's, it's been crazy. But speaking of going out to the range, which, uh, you know, you spend a lot of time out at the range, Brie, and yeah. Emily got a really interesting question from somebody through Not Traverage Gun Girls Instagram. Uh, so let's talk about it. Emily, what was, the, what, what was that message you got? So we had one of our listeners reach out wanting to just find out a little bit more, you know, about an experience that she had. So let me go through and let me kind of read sort of what she experienced herself. Um, she goes into a little bit of her background first. She's been shooting for three years. She works often with her husband, who is a police officer and SWAT. So, you know, you know that based on that experience and, you know, being married to someone like that, that any kind of training that happens, you know, they're always very safe that, you know, that kind of stuff, that kind of mentality is always like right at the forefront. So anyway, this is what she says. I went to my local range the other day by myself for some practice time. As soon as I walked in and found my lane, a gentleman yelled and said, oh God, watch out, woman shooter, things are going to get crazy. I ignored him and proceeded to proceeded to prepare to shoot. My, my range allows us to conceal carry if we have our conceal carry permit, so I can't remove my firearm from my IWB holster. This sent the gentleman over the edge, and he started going on and on about how I was being unsafe and that he was prepared to handle me if need be. Which, and she says, she caveats and says, which I would fully expect a range officer to say something to me if I was not being safe. I mean, that's what they're there for, right? He continued yeah. on and on for about 30 minutes, and at that time, she just packed up left just because I couldn't stand the constant berating. I never said anything to him or anyone at the range, but thinking back on it, is there a different way that that situation could or should have been handled? I mean, that's really, I just can't believe that that, that people, they go to the range and they have to deal with that. Like, really? Like, I don't, I don't understand that the, there's a purpose that there's a range officer there. The range, it's the range officer's duty to be able to review and watch all the people. And assess the situation if someone is actually being unsafe. I mean, yeah, you know, that's crazy. I've never run into that blatant of um, somebody berating me like that at the range. I mean, I think the worst I ever had to deal with was people asking me, why am I wearing Ray-Bans and why am I wearing Lululemon leggings at the gun range? You know, which I always thought was a little bit ridiculous. But I mean, there's got to be... There's got to be some sort of range etiquette to follow. And I would love your thoughts on that, Brie, and your perspective on that since you're out there doing this constantly. Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely think I I even, I mean, I've, I wouldn't say, I I won't call it being a victim of it, but I've definitely experienced that where even myself to this day, like if I go to the range sometimes, you know, at first I always get those side glances of like, 
oh, it's a girl at the range and I'm not with a man. So somehow like I'm not skilled <laughs> enough to go do this on my own. And, right. you know, and it's, it, it's still amazing to me that most, you know, a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of people out there make a lot of assumptions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think with, with most ranges, the women that I've worked with, at least that I've, that I've trained, you know, they have a basic knowledge of range safety, range, you know, range etiquette, quote unquote, if you would. But I, I kind of find that even if they do, even if they're being the most safest human being on that range that day, and trust me, I've seen, and, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not making this a blanketed statement, but I've seen a lot of dudes do some really unsafe stuff at mm-hmm. the range. Um, honestly, during classes, I've seen men, unfortunately, make a lot more of those types of errors than women, because I think women generally are, you know, we're, we're the moms, we're the, we're the women that are always conscious of you know, self-protection or protecting others, being that kind of like mother hen. So a lot of times women tend to be almost overly cautious, whereas right. unfortunately, like there's a lot of men, there's an ego that gets involved and then they think that they're, you know, they're, they can do no wrong. So I think it's, you know, it's unfortunate that girl had that experience. You know, if if her range allows a certain protocol in terms of, you know, she can come and conceal carry, then there's nothing wrong with that. And then that guy was completely stepping outside of his lane <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, and and whatever happened to that guy being able to just just walk out of the ra- like just leave if that's not something that he's comfortable with. I mean, I think we've all been in situations where there's things at the range like we aren't comfortable with, and you can either go address it with the range safety officer or leave. Mm-hmm. I well, mean, exactly, and that's it's quite honestly, it's not his place. It is. It is the you know, it's the responsibility of the range, the range safety officer, like that is their range. So mm-hmm. if they see an issue, um, it's, you know, it's their duty and their job to go ahead and intercept that and, and to correct the issue. And, and it's sometimes it's just a simple correction. I mean, I've, I've had, you know, students where very innocently, you know, maybe we're, we're kind of at the firing line and, you know, they just, they, they start thinking about, oh, I go, let me see if I'm going to, uh, you know, maybe uh, reload or check to see if I'm loaded. And they start unholstering their weapon. And I, you know, when I run a class, when I run a range, it's, I give very specific instruction. And, you know, even if, you know, in a moment, my eyes are kind of always watching everybody just to make sure that we're all safe. And even if I do witness something that somebody maybe is pulling out their, their firearm from their holster before they've been given the instruction to do so. Like, it's not the end of the world. I, you know, I think most people who have at least basic training, you have your, your finger uh, trigger discipline, you have, you know, you just know to point it in a safe direction. So I do think inherently, most of the time people are being safe within reason, the gun is just not going to automatically go off itself. Um, But I think a simple correction is all that's ever really needed. And berating does not encourage anybody to want to continue training. No. Well, I, I have to wonder, wonder too, like what, what, this guy needs to mind his own business. Like, what are you doing? What are you at the range for anyway? Aren't you supposed to be there to be doing whatever drill or training that you're doing? Why are you standing there watching around and, and worrying about what's happening in the lanes next to you? Or like, like that's not what you're there for. Like you're there. I mean, I understand like you want to be aware of the the people that are next to you or, or what's happening, but I don't go to the range and I'm never like watching people so much that I'm like freaked out there doing something that they shouldn't. I'm there for my specific reason and I'm there to, to practice and train. Well, absolutely. And that's why. Well, and I also, again, like I go back to, it's like, that's not your job. You know, when there's occasions where I still go and train with other instructors. And when I'm in a class, if I witness somebody doing something that I think might be unsafe for them or for the person next to them, you know, I'm an instructor. I don't, it's not my class. I don't go and I, 
approach that person directly and say, hey, by the way, you're doing this. Like my duty as a student in that moment is to go to the instructor or go to their range safety officer and say, hey, you know, so-and-so's, I've noticed a couple of times, maybe he's flagging himself or flagging somebody else, or maybe he's, when he's reholstering, his finger's a little close to that trigger, whatever it might be. You know, again, it's, it's a, it's a fixable issue and people need to, they need to be taught how to correct themselves. So you, that happens by instruction and constant sure. like repetition of that instruction. But yeah, I mean, it, it does moments. It's my duty to go inform, you know, the powers that be not, not to take the, the issue into my own hands. Yeah. No, I, I think that's great. I think that's a great starting point for sure for women. And I think a lot of times um, that's a good, that's a good tip because we're, we're getting a lot of women that tune into this podcast. I know you're getting it. A lot of women that are coming to your class that um, you teach beginner classes. I do. Do you, do you get a lot of women in there that are first-time shooters? I, I do, and like that's those are great opportunities to start teaching like correctly. Because I think the problem is is that a lot of times people they pick up like quote lessons from maybe family members or or mm-hmm. you know friends and things like that, and they're not either. I don't want to say it's bad training, but it's just it's not maybe totally accurate in terms of safety. Um, and it's, you know, they haven't really been in a classroom environment where, you know, maybe before it was just one-on-one again with like a, a family member or something and, and they picked up kind of bad habits uh, and they had no idea that they're bad habits. You know, like I said, I, I go back to um, something as simple when, like I would advise this to any woman, if you're going out and you're going to get some training, if you go to a class, um, really pay attention to what the instructor's sort of rules are for the range because every range is different. And like the ranges that I teach at, I have to kind of modify depending on what the range is, what those rules are. Because, you know, it's my responsibility as, a, as an insured instructor there that I abide by the range rules as well. Uh, and so it's kind of like a trickle down effect. So I, I would say to all women, it's just like, go in with an open mind, really listen and pay attention to what the, the range rules are on that given day with your instructor. If you have questions about like, hey, is it okay if I take out my, my gun and, and holster up now? Or should I wait? Or do I need to go down range? Those are valuable questions. Mm-hmm. And there's no harm in asking. I always would encourage women, ask. If you don't know, don't don't assume and don't be embarrassed to ask because everybody has to learn someplace. Sure. Well, and definitely with the holster, I mean, I know there's a lot of indoor ranges here in Texas that won't even let you draw from concealment. So definitely ask those kind of questions. If you think you know it all, just make sure, double check with them so that you know your rules. Because yeah, if I went to our local gun range down the road and I saw someone drawing from concealment, I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> like we can't do that here. You know, like I would go find the range safety officer, let them know that. But, but people, if you don't ask, maybe you just assume, oh, I'm here to practice my draw. I'm here to right. practice from consumption. And a lot of ranges won't let you do that. So you need to make yep. sure wherever you're going, that you're very aware with what, what you can and can't do when you get there. Yeah. And I, and I definitely would say, what was that? I was going to say a lot of that you have to ask because they don't, the, that all that all that information like drawing drawing from concealment whether you're allowed to do that even like as simple as like taking like you know you know taking videos of your your progress while you're shooting they don't post a lot of that stuff's not posted so you've got to ask yeah mm-hmm. and I, I think it's what what a lot of people you know when when they're newer shooters they're always so afraid to ask because I think especially women were inherently worried about like being perceived as like oh you're dumb or you're just like you don't know any better or, why are you bothering shooting and it's like what what they don't realize is that by asking, you actually make yourself appear to be more educated about the process of training. And they sure. actually 
people will have a lot more respect if you do inquire because it shows that you have a willing interest in learning. And, and it's like, I think most women have an interest in learning, but they're just so afraid. They're so accustomed to being judged for not having all the information, not having all the answers. Yeah. And actually, most of the time, most rangers are pretty helpful. I mean, yes, do you get the occasional range safety officer that's a little, um, you know, maybe doesn't quite deal with having female shooters there very well, it happens. I mean, look, there's still ranges that I go to that, you know, most of the time they have, I have to abide by the same rules. So if their rule is only one firearm on the bench at any given time, I have to abide by that. It doesn't matter that I'm an instructor. I work in law enforcement. Like I still have to play by their rules. It's their space. So mm-hmm. like I said, I think it's just, it's, it's so helpful for women to, I mean, I, uh, that's when we talk about empowering women it's not just about the ability to defend themselves. It's like empowering them to go, hey, you know what? I don't have all the answers. And that's why I'm here. I'm here to learn. So what what are right? I, I love um, having you on and getting your perspective on this because I think we, we all come across this all the time when we have new shooters ask us questions that say, okay, I've never been to a gun range before. What do I do? What are the top three things that you start with when you are taking a new shooter who doesn't even know what gun to shoot at the range, you know, they, they really don't. So what are the kind of the top three things that you start with for someone who's brand new to shooting? Um, where would you tell them to start once they get to the range? Well, I mean, it depends, like, you know, certain ranges you're able to rent, um, you know, a variety of firearms. I definitely think if you live, like, New York is a little tricky because you actually have to apply, when you apply for your pistol permit, you actually have to let them know what firearm you are, like, you have to buy one, which is kind of counterintuitive because, like, how do you buy something if you have mm-hmm. no workable knowledge of, like, how it shoots, how it's right. going to so, You fly to Texas. Well, exactly. (laughs) We have neighboring states. We have Connecticut and New Jersey, which they're not, you know, in terms of overall. New Jersey's not great either. I mean, that's a strict gun law state as well. It is. But at least in those states, you can actually rent a firearm without a Ah. permit. And, you know, usually what if you're a brand new shooter, and and this is, you know, I think a lot of women would be like, oh, my God, how am I going to go to a range and I've never shot and just rent something? So most ranges, if you tell them you're a new shooter, they'll have one of their range safety officers go with you and kind of work with you a little bit and you can try different guns. So that would be number one. I would definitely suggest before you commit, um, you know, read the reviews and all that. And those are great. But really, if you can have an opportunity to go actually shoot the gun that you think you're interested in, I definitely recommend that. I think a lot of women get uh, suaded to go in a certain direction that isn't really good for them. It doesn't mm-hmm. either doesn't fit their lifestyle. It doesn't fit like the ergonomics of their, their body structure, their hands. Um, you know, maybe it's just, it's not something that ultimately is going to be a, a good concealed carry weapon for them, or, or maybe it's not a good home defense weapon. Um, so that would be number one, definitely do your research before trying to commit to anything. Secondly, I would say once you, once you've Maybe you're in the game, you've got a firearm, you're ready to go to the range for the first time on your own. Um, be mindful. A lot of, I find a lot of people, because they get kind of nervous and they're excited and they just start pulling out everything, like kind of arbitrarily. And, you know, they're just pulling out their gun. And you have to remember that nobody else knows if your weapon is unloaded or loaded. Right. And if you pull out a weapon out of a range bag, they don't know that it's unloaded. It could be still loaded. Maybe you were somebody that had it loaded from your last range mm-hmm. visit and now you're going and you're going again and it, that could be a loaded weapon. So a lot of times women, I find they get like so excited and nervous and they <laughs> start to pull everything out and they're flagging everyone around them. 
And again, you know that your gun might be unloaded, but nobody else think, does. Right. I think in the beginning when I first started going to the range, that was one of the things that made me like the most nervous is like, I know I need to pull my gear out. Like, am, because like, I don't know how it is at other range, but ours is like, you're only allowed to pull, like take, take out your guns, like when you're up in the lane, but like, they're like the back wall, you can like store like the rest of your gear, but like, yep. you can't bring like the gun to the back wall. It's got to stay like up in the front. I just remember like those first few times I was like, Oh my God, am I doing this right? I don't, I don't, is it supposed to be here? And then I've got to put this over here. And like, I don't, like I was like, before I even started, I was like sweating, just like yep. nervous and anxious. Well, it can be. It it can be because when you are being so safety conscious, you really do want to make sure that you're doing everything right. Right. And I, yeah, and you can get a little bit nervous and okay, where am I supposed to put this gun and which way is it loaded and or or Mm -hmm. aiming? And hopefully they've gone over like the basic safety rules with you prior to you even stepping up to the firing line. I know they do that at our range. Um, and so hopefully they've given you at least that basic knowledge uh, to give you a little bit more direction when you actually get there. So, yeah. So, you know, another thing that, like, look, I mean, we're, we're all girls. I like to get my nails done. Loading magazines sometimes can be a little bit of a pain in the butt. Uh, and for some reason, like, loading magazines at the range tends to make women nervous. And I don't know if they just feel like they're struggling with it and, like, all the guys are watching them and, you know, they're – it's like they it almost appeared to be like this sort of damsel in distress. <laughs> I would say, you know, if that's the case, you know, preload your magazines. Like that that actually might minimize because I, I always tell women, I'm like, I want you to have the best experience that you can at the range. You're gonna be more likely to return and, and continue like training. So, you know, it is nerve-wracking. It is nerve-wracking when you go to the range and you know, you're trying to figure out what the rules are and this and that. Load preload your magazines the night before so that, you know, and It'll a train you because over time, you know, it does get a little easier with more practice. Loading magazines doesn't—it's not the end of the world. Yeah, uh, but it's get a mag loader. <laughs> or mag loader, yes, that's what exactly. I use. I love the mag loader, man. I quickly learned that I don't have to ruin my manicures every time, I and know. I don't have to have mag thumb anymore. So mag loaders are awesome. Totally, and no shame in that. And like I said, then you have one less thing that you have to worry about. It actually saves you time at the range because now you're not spending all this time you know, loading magazines, you can get right to it. Uh, and, you know, depending on where you go, like some ranges, even in New York, like they can be like 25 to $30 an hour, which is pretty pricey. So, you know, wow. I would say maximize your time. But, um, you know, and that, like I said, will, will kind of help relieve some of the stress because, yeah, it's just the last thing you want as, as a woman is to go to the range. And then if you're a newer shooter and you're, you're struggling to load your magazines and then you have, you know, the guy next to you, like watching you <laughs> just like fuddle around and, you know, it's, it's unfortunately, you know, you, you want to stack the deck in your favor because right. it, it is, it is to this day, I still get, like I said, I still get those sideways glances of like, oh, this girl and, you know, she comes in and she's a shooter. Like, really? I don't know about that. But And then they look at your targets and they're like, oh, exactly. not going to mess with her. Okay. See, that's the beauty. That's the beauty of being a female shooter is that mm-hmm. I think it's, everyone has that potential of surprising, you know, the, that, the girl that you, you know, Emily, that you've read that story, it's like, you know, if the guy probably took two seconds to not, uh, spend the time to berate her and he actually was paying attention to what she was shooting or how she was shooting, he probably would have been actually impressed, but he had already pre had a preconceived idea of Mm -hmm. what he thought she was. And that was it. She was never, she was never going to escape his scenario, no matter what she did. So it was a right. lose lose on that sense. So I think, you know, if any girls out there encounter that situation, 
go full steam ahead. I know, you know, for her, she decided that, you know, she just felt more comfortable, you know, leaving and that's okay too. There's nothing wrong with that. But I would say, you know what, use that, use that as a, as a challenge to feed your drive to be an even better shooter. You know, it, that's something that, you know, when we think about a defensive self-defense mindset, like you have to be able to tune out a lot. And I think all of us have that, that inner dialogue or in a monologue rather of, of self-doubt. And I think you have to tune that out because getting in your head, that, that is like the worst thing for any shooter. And it's like, when you're training, it's such an easy, you know, black hole to slip into of having this little voice in your head saying that you're, you're not good or you're not doing it right. Or, and it's like the moment you get in your head, your training like goes out the window that day. Mm-hmm. It's it just, it really, I mean, I can have days where, you know, I'm on cloud nine and, and the targets are looking good. And then I have days where I'm like, I don't know what happened. I didn't have enough coffee <laughs> and the targets are not where I think they should be. And that's okay. That's the process of just constantly learning and training. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have um, a set, I don't know, top uh, top few firearms that you would be like your go-to guns that say, hey, if you are a brand new shooter, we're talking never picked up a firearm in your life. Do you have a couple that you actually recommend for most women? I do. I, okay. I have to say, and maybe it's because I'm biased because it's, it's like, it's like what I grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you know, so we'll go under the assumption that in a lot of states, um, even when you apply for your uh, your pistol permit, you may not automatically get a full carry. There's a lot of states out there that kind of do a, a, a tiered stair step of of gun ownership. So let's go on that assumption. Uh, and if that's the case, then I would I'm definitely a proponent of Glock 19s. Um, it's what I it's what it really I started on. It's what I started training on. It is the most low maintenance gun. It's seriously like you know for many of us that myself included that I'm not really. I don't get excited about cleaning my guns. We'll say that. <laughs> um, that thing, honestly, like it, it can take a licking and keeps on ticking. So Glock 19s are great. I think they are definitely designed better for female hands. They are smaller, but they're still a really rock solid uh, self-defense weapon, especially in home defense. Now, is that something that I can conceal carry? Uh, I was so going to say, you're, I, can you conceal carry a Glock 19? I mean, <laughs> I'm a good five inches taller than you. Know, I can't even conceal carry a Glock 19. We're so. like the dead away from the Glock. No, no you're, you're right. Absolutely right. It's not, it's not a gun that I can conceal carry. But uh, a lot of women do. A yeah. lot of women love the Glock 19 for more power to you. If you found a comfortable way (laughs) and a way to not let that thing print on your body, then more power to you go with what you're comfortable with. Exactly. But I, I like, that's definitely like one of my, my favorite shooting guns, I would say. Um, and then in terms of concealed carry, um, there's a few out there and honestly, each one's a little different. And like you, you hit a great you know, point of topic that depending on how you carry it will indicate also the type of gun that you can carry. So for me, like I like to carry appendix, but that means, you know, I had this whole discussion the other day with a a holster company because men's pants are designed very differently than women's. (laughs) And that, that raised, you know, basically between the bottom of the zipper to the top of the fabric is like only about five inches. So, you know, there's not a lot of space to work with. And so when you have a holster, like I love using Kydex holsters, but it's very difficult to find ones that don't, um, I don't know how to say this otherwise, but they protrude out if you're carrying appendix in a way that- Yes, they make, they make you, like 
Yes. And none, no woman wants extra added inches to anywhere in their waist or hip area. Like nobody. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it is a little tricky when you carry appendix. So for myself, usually then that becomes, I, I'm kind of, I've sort of leaned towards a lot of SIG products for, for appendix carry. So I started with, uh, I have the P938. Uh, which is a really, it's a micro gun, but it's still chambered in nine millimeters. So I feel like as far as the, the round, it's a round that I really like for self-defense. Um, but it's it's basically delivered in a, a package size that's so small that I'm actually able to carry pretty comfortably uh, appendix. The other one that I actually just um, kind of started using recently was the uh, the P365. And I have to say, like, I'm actually very excited about that just because of the fact that it is it is still about the size of my little 938 so mm-hmm. in terms of comfort level it, it, it carries almost the same yeah the round count yeah you know. that thing's eight, like 18 ounces unloaded and but it yeah. has what 15 round capacity it's no, double it's, stack right it's a double st- well it's it's an interesting it's double stack that basically feeds to a single stack right it's, it's kind of really unique design uh, it's different than like a, a normal like a double stack magazine but so like, I think, I think the one I'm trying to think what it comes with like a 10. Is it a 10 and then the extended? Yeah. They have different extended yeah. ones. Okay. Okay. Well, for, the, for the one the husband has, his is 10. Cause his is 10. Yeah. DC. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Well, like, I've been carrying, I've been carrying his around the house cause in DC I can't legally carry it because it's not registered to me. It's registered to him. Mm-hmm. So I've been like you know, trying it on at home and I'm <laughs> just like, Oh, I'm like this are you gonna are you gonna get it i think i might i can't believe i'm hearing emily valentine (laughs) say that right now that she's gonna um switch from her hk (laughs) just for carry but my go ahead no no no, i was gonna say what's interesting what i found because you know i also have you know an mp shield and i have a glock 43 like i i feel like my concealed carry guns are like my shoe collection like i have a few different ones depending on what the outfit is, you know. But I mean, I, right. That's the way sure. and, I, and, I, and I would I would give the caveat with that because a lot of, you know, this is a, a point that I like to make with people that if you do have multiple carry guns, make sure that you train with all those carry guns. Yeah. Each one will be a little different. So like my 938 has a thumb safety. I have to train when I do a draw stroke to disengage the thumb safety. Because so you I, carry with one in the chamber with your 938, I do. right? And I do that with all my guns. Mm-hmm. I carry one in the chamber. So that's something that if you do have multiple carry guns, definitely train with all of them and get familiar because each gun shoots a little different where your, um, you know, sight, your sights are, you know, placed. It's, it's all, there's mild differences. So, but all that being said, um, you know, depending, but the thing about the 365 that I actually really like is for me, honestly, it feels like somebody took a, a mold of my hand and m- made a gun around it mm-hmm. because the, even though it's a, it's a double stack, it's actually super narrow and it, it's probably the most comfortable gun that I can actually hold in my hand yeah. of all the other ones. Cause some of those, the smaller subcompacts, the, the grips are a little bit kind of wide or sort of fat feeling and yeah. they're not as comfortable. I'm excited to get mine. I, I, have just I have my order form like sitting in there in my office and I just need to get it put in because I really want the 365 really and of course we're getting asked questions about it all the time and yeah. so it's just it's an awesome it's just an awesome gun yeah. so I, I'm excited does it have is it just like the I have a 938 and I actually don't carry my 938 as much because 
just like you said, like, because I'm not able to get out and train as much as I want to right now. It, mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable, obviously, having the hammer cocked back with my 938 without having a safety on. And yeah. so because I'm not practicing with as much, I just stick with my Glock, just straightforward Glock, you know. Um, but does the 365 do the same thing? I mean, is it the same action? No, that 365 is striker fire. There's no, there's no thumb oh. safety or anything. So it's, you don't have to worry about that. Cause that, that was something, you know, one of my students over the weekend, she had a 938. In fact, she actually had the same exact um, version of the 938 that I ah. did. And she, what she was, I was getting on her case because she was somebody who did not always deal with the safety. She would either just leave it off or she wouldn't carry one in the chamber or whatever that might be. And I was really kind of drilling it in her head. Like, look, you got to, every time you, we, we do any kind of um, drawing from concealment, that has to be the muscle memory of dealing with that safety. Yeah. And she was realizing like, wow. And, and she almost, it was funny because she almost was like, I think I'm going to change guns. And I said, well, don't, don't give up on it because it's not, this is, this is a learned thing. You're never going to, you're not going to develop a habit in a course of an afternoon. Right. But if you're constantly, even if you're at home dry firing, just making that part of your practice. Um, Would you make it part of her practice to, if she really did decide she doesn't want to carry with one in the chamber and have to deal with the thumb safety, well, then you're dealing with having to rack a slide. Yep. And so would she practice doing that with, with her draws? Well, that's the thing. So I don't know because, you know, if it's, it's one of those things where you, obviously you want to get up on target and in the action as quickly as possible. And so now if you're in a situation where, you've got to work the action before you can actually take a shot. I mean, it's just, you're adding time that mm-hmm. precious. Um, and especially right. in a self-defense, like if you're in a close quarter situation, time is of the essence. So I, you know, I, sure. I understand that it's, it's always a little tricky for women to walk around with having one in the chamber. I get it. Like when I first was starting, it made me very nervous. Um, but you know, you, you stair step it, you know, you start with just, even just carrying a firearm on your body. Yep is very nerve wracking in the very beginning. And I think a yeah. lot of them, they, they don't realize that or they think like, oh, it's just me. No, everybody has that moment of like, wow, I understand what this is, the significance of like a gun on my body. So, you know, I started walking around the house and then eventually, you know, I started to, to load one in the chamber and I kind of just did that at the house. So I felt like I was at least in a controlled environment, if you will. Uh, and then eventually that as I came out into the world with that, like, you just, you kind of have to give yourself credit to just take your time and get to the point where you're yeah. comfortable. Yeah, for sure. Um, when I, I had the opportunity to, <laughs> I had a captive audience that couldn't go anywhere when they were doing my eyelashes for two hours. So <laughs> naturally I find every opportunity I can to, to bring this up and to talk to women. And by the end of my eye appointment, I couldn't even see anybody, but I, I was hearing all these voices. I had four women surrounding me and we were all talking about firearms and gun safety and going to the range. And all of them were like, well, girl, I want to learn how to shoot. And I'm like, well, awesome. And they, they were these new shooters that have never picked up a firearm before. And I realized I jumped, I probably skipped about 10 steps when I was telling them to go to the range. And then I, I reeled it back a little bit. And I was like, I need to start with just the fact that you need to try out several different guns. And I did tell her, um, I was like, yes, I think you should try out semi-automatics, but also try a revolver as well. Because there's a lot of women that really like the ease of a revolver. Um, but then you got to get used to how those things shoot. They have like a mile long trigger and they're very, very, yeah. very, very heavy trigger pulls. And so, but I did want her to get used to seeing 
that. And I wanted her to get used to the grip on a, on a revolver and seeing really which one at the end of the day she likes. There's a lot of women that carry revolvers as their, yeah. as their carry choice, you know? And so A, it reduces that intimidation factor of having to load a magazine and having to rack a slide. But, you know, I I just think that women should be aware of all of their options and go and give all of them a try when they're going to the range and then let decide for themselves what works best for them. Yeah. And I definitely like to add to that, you know, I'm I'm definitely an advocate for trying a variety of guns because like Alessa said, a lot of times women are led in a certain direction because so-and-so told them, oh, get Mm -hmm. this. And then they get it and then they hate it. Uh, the best, I mean, I think the best thing I could say or the best piece of advice I could probably give is whatever you try, shoot it for like a couple hours, not just like, Hey, I'm going to go and I'm one magazine, like, you know, one <laughs> right. magazine, you know, 10 rounds, five rounds, whatever it is like, Oh, this is great. No, 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 no. Go shoot it for like seriously two hours straight. Because I say that since the idea is that, you know, I, again, I, I definitely advocate training, if you go to a class, honestly, most classes are at minimum four hours. Sometimes they're full days. Sometimes they're multiple days. If you get a gun that you don't like shooting after like 15 minutes, it's going to be torture for you to go to the range. <laughs> you will never go and train. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, yeah, I found that out the hard way when I got all this custom work done with my stipplings and my grips. And I learned very quickly which aggressive type of stippling I do not want on my grips because when by the my hands were bloody by the end of that dynamis course that we did because yeah. I had such aggressive stippling on one of my guns and I was like I am really regretting that I brought this gun to this course at this at this point you know and yeah. then it made me just be like I'm gonna go sandpaper that stuff down and <laughs> yeah you don't realize it I mean yeah. it's like because at first it's like oh this is great you know, and I have certain guns where I get like trigger bite, you know, for whatever reason, the yes. how that trigger is, is designed, mm-hmm. you know, the first magazine, not so bad. A couple magazines are like, uh, I'm getting a little bit of like, you know, basically like soot on my finger and I'm mm-hmm. starting to feel a little pinch. And then, you know, an hour or two into it, I'm like, this sucks. Okay. I I thought I was the only one that got that because I was like not gripping my, or I wasn't, I wasn't pulling my trigger correctly. That was another thing that happened with me with my, my Zev 43 that I took to this dynamis course. And I was like, I will not take this to another like training course for that reason. And, but you would never know that until you shoot it a lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot. It's like my public service announcements for like Apex (laughs) triggers because I love Apex like flat triggers because they don't have that issue. Okay. Okay, Good to know. Aftermarket triggers. (laughs) I I might be changing all of mine out now that you say that because you're right. By the end of that course, my finger was bloody. My hands were bloody. I'm like, (laughs) and this is not to scare anyone off from going and getting training. I had a blast training. I didn't even know my hands were bleeding until I got done with the course, you know, exactly. Completely worth it. But that's, you know, it's, it's kind of, we laugh about it, but you know, that's something too. A lot of newer shooters don't realize that, you know, you don't have to have a stock gun. I mean, that's a great place to start. I always, I actually kind of encourage women to start with everything stock. You know, don't make it so super nice and easy for yourself. Kind of challenge yourself <laughs> and learn learn on the like the harder platform. But, you know, you can go in. You make friends with a gunsmith and you can go in and you can switch out and you can have really cool aftermarket um, triggers and you can do match barrels and, you know, do um, serrated slides. Like there's a lot of fun custom work that you can do to your firearm to actually make it not just aesthetically maybe more interesting, but functionally a, a 
and better gun for you to shoot and more comfortable. So there's definitely a lot of options and, and don't limit yourself by just like, oh, this is what the stock version is and this is all I can get. We're going to turn everybody into gun snobs. Oh, totally. You just wait. <laughs> I'm already <laughs> I know, y'all. If you haven't seen this picture yet, Brie has an amazing custom Cerakoted Louis oh, Vuitton. Is that, a, is that a Glock 43? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I don't know who did the work on that gun, but it looks like Louis Vuitton did the work on no, that gun. Like, it was so precise. And yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, Oh, it's my gorgeous. God. It's this, it's this, this guy. Uh, his, his Instagram is pinstriping by rat. Okay. Uh, R-A-T. And... Like I, you know, I sent my gun off and I thought, oh gosh, you know, it, it, it's <laughs> this isn't going to be great or really bad. <laughs> well, exactly. It could be like one of those bad in- internet stories where like, you know, the a Pinterest fail. Oh, and I, I was like, oh my gosh, if I send this off and it comes back and it's horrific, like that's it. I'm committed to it. Like I own this thing. You're spray paint it black. You're spray painting <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll do, do any suggestions. I'll take sandpaper and be like, oh, yeah, like, and just rub over that. Yeah. It, it'll be like battle worn, you know. <laughs> so, no, but it, honestly, like I was so shocked with how precise it was when it came back. Like it's, there is not a single flaw on this thing. It's amazing. I have no, to- it's like when you're going to look in at a fake Louis Vuitton bag and you know, like if the, if oh, the LV the doesn't line up, you up know, right? like you probably got a knockoff or something. No, you don't have this problem with your, <laughs> with no. your firearm. So much so where he actually, cause I, we were talking and I was asking like, you know, cause you, when you make the order, sometimes they'll ask you to pick out your Cerakote colors for the Louis Vuitton. He actually custom makes the Cerakote blend so that it's exact. Yeah, I'm like, how did he 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 nailed it? He got that color yeah. so perfectly. So, well, well, guys, if if ladies, if you are not doing so, definitely go follow Brie Tactical NYC on Instagram. You can look at her beautiful firearm collection. You can see her amazing shoe collection. Uh, she has a great lifestyle blog as well that uh, she gets to talk about all these great tips and tricks. And and Brie, we absolutely love. You know, you got an open invitation to come on the show anytime you want to. That. We love having you on. So I much fun. It. Are you going to be at Shaw Show? I am. I'm so excited. Yeah. Ooh, good. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a meetup at some point. We're throwing this out there right now to our Not Your Average Gun Girls uh, audience because we want to have as many people that are gonna be there at Shot Show. We want to set aside a day to get together to just increase this community of women, meet one another, help encourage, and and just you know we're stronger in numbers. So the more of us that we can exactly. actually meet and get to know, then we want to be able to do that. So thank you so so much for coming on the show thank today, Bree. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's always fun. And I, I love that we are able to kind of inspire other women to get into the game. Absolutely. Well, that is all of our mission. And I'm glad to be doing it with you and with you, M, and with all of you that are listening to the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast. If you have not done so yet, make sure you go and you subscribe on iTunes. You can hear us on Google Play, on Stitcher Radio. Uh, make sure you're following all of us on Instagram and Facebook at Not Your Average Gun Girls. You've got at Stommy Tactical. You've got Tactical. Is it Tactical NYC on all of your social media platforms? Uh, it is. You actually know. I take that back. On Instagram, it's Tactigale NYC, uh, and then on Facebook, you can just find me at Tactigale Inc. Tactical Inc. Go give Brie a follow at Tactical Inc. on Facebook and Tactical NYC on Instagram, and of course, follow Alexo Athletica. But we will see you guys next week, same time, same place. We'll see you soon. See you guys.
The Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast and its related companies, Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com, strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.